Welcome to the Professional WordPress Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Doug. This is episode two, how to hire great software developers. So let's start with the changelog. Doug, what have you been working on? What's been happening over the last week? Um, I've been working some more on the Pod WP launch. Uh, I've been getting some good feedback from people. So, Did you talk to a couple of podcasters? Yeah, I have. And uh, I'm going to be attending this uh, podcasting conference in August. Okay, what's the conference called? It's Podcasting Movement or Podcast Movement. I can't remember mm-hmm. which. Um, it's over in Dallas in August. So it's going to be hot. It's They've got a big uh, lineup of speakers. I've been pretty busy over the last week or two traveling after living in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam for the best part of two years. I packed my bags and you know left Saigon behind. So I'm back in Austria right now and I'm getting ready for another trip starting tomorrow. I'm going to be heading to Glasgow in Scotland for a conference and then going to spend a couple of days uh, exploring Scotland and going to Edinburgh. And then after that, I'm going to Hamburg in Germany to attend the WordCamp. I've also been hiring recently, and my new full-time developer is starting to work for me full-time tomorrow. That's part of the reason we are recording this episode today, which is about how to hire great software developers. I think it's a pretty good time to talk about this. So let's move on to the core of this week's episode. The first question you kind of have to ask yourself is, why hire? Do you even want to hire? Do you need to hire? What's the point? Maybe you can do it yourself. Um, what are some of the reasons why you would want to hire somebody, Doug, instead of just doing it yourself? Uh, so one of the main reasons would be to focus on the business uh, instead of doing everything yourself and being the technician as well. So I think I think you found that uh, to be really yeah. helpful with your hire. Uh, yeah, I found that helpful um, with my... WordPress plugin business at Fatcat Apps. I found it very useful to be able to kind of make broader business and product decisions without actually having to worry about how exactly the implementation on a code level is going to work. It's important that just because you can do the work and that you might be good at it doesn't necessarily mean you have to. Yeah, absolutely. I was having this discussion with Simon Payne, who's one of the co-founders of Lead Pages, and one of the things he said to me is, in his experience, a lot of software developers have difficulties making great products when they both manage the product and develop the product themselves, because um, sometimes what ends up happening is that you end up taking shortcuts like certain user interface things or certain features that from a product point of view would be really, really good to do. You might just not end up doing them because you're lazy. So if you've got somebody that is working for you and that you're paying, um, you don't really have to think about those things. So, we, so we've got a four-step hiring process. It's very, very simple. All right. So the first step would be to post the job offer. You would start off with a marketplace or job site you know, you'll you'll see a lot of different uh, people in there. So, how do you filter out the good ones? I like to put Easter eggs in my application. So, what you get on a lot of those job sites like Odesk or you know all kinds of sites, you get a lot of application spam. You get people to see some kind of job posting that might be vaguely relevant to what they're doing, and they just hit the apply button and they they don't really even read through the application. They just 
mass applied to like 100 or 200 drops hoping that they're going to get something. So one of the things I like to do is to put an Easter egg, which could be something like mention the code word Indigo Montoya in your application. Or one of the things that I did that is even kind of related to hiring WordPress developers is asking what's your favorite WordPress plugin. It just kind of gives you like an understanding of, you know, has this person used WordPress before? If you do offer a long-term position, a lot of developers are really interested in that. If you can offer them consistent 10 or 20 hours a week or so, um, a lot of people are going to be interested and they might then also be willing to compromise on rates because they would rather, they would rather have this steady, st- a steady amount of work coming in instead of having to hunt for jobs all the time. And I think it's important to uh, take some time to, to craft a decent job offer. Uh, because the, the better quality applicants, uh, you know, they're looking for someone good uh, to work for. So they'll take you more seriously if if you uh, think things through, spell check. So one of the things that I've mentioned when I was hiring somebody is I mentioned that I'm running this WordPress plugin business. And I think the plugin at that time, it had like maybe twenty five or 30,000 downloads or so. So the code that that person is going to be writing it's going to end up on like thousands of websites and he's actually, he can really like make a difference. Um, it's not just that he's customizing CSS for one single person. He can actually impact thousands of people with the stuff that he writes. And I think that's, that's motivating to um, a lot of people as well. Yeah. Doug, do you have any favorite uh, job sites or job boards? I know you've both hired full-time and part-time employees as well in the past. Yeah, so I haven't actually used any job boards for that. I've... I've looked to people that I've already known and I I do pl- I don't have anyone that I've I'm hiring at the moment but I am looking again and so hopefully before the end of the year I'll I'll have a full-time employee but I'm mainly going to be looking for the the right candidate for the job. I've had okay or good experiences with multiple of those freelancing websites. I've hired good people on freelancer.com. I've just recently hired somebody on peopleperhour.com. And I don't think I've hired a full-time or even like a part-time proper developer on Odesk, but I've, I've had good luck with more kind of like VA type of employees or very, very simple programming tasks as well on Odesk. So those are the job sites that I would recommend. And of course, if you want to hire a full-time developer, I guess in the US, monster.com is quite big. Um, my new developer is from Vietnam. I found him on vietnamworks.com. So based on where you're hiring and in which country you're hiring, there's going to be a couple of relevant job sites. So the next step after posting your job offer is to screen the applicants. So what I like to do is I set up a Trello board and I put all of the applicants in there based on how how much I like them and uh, how they perform. I kind of move them uh, from column to column until at the end I only have one person that I hire. And I can show you a screenshot of this Trello board when you go to the show notes. What kinds of things do you do to screen the applicants? Probably start off with uh, checking their reviews. Easy first step. Exactly. So one of the nice things about marketplaces like Odesk is that usually um, the people that I apply already have previously done work and you can check the reviews. So I like to do that. If I'm hiring somebody for a PHP programming role, the fact that that he had good reviews on programming tasks in the past doesn't necessarily mean that he is actually good because a lot of people that 
a lot of people hiring don't really know anything about coding. So as long as the end results looks okay, they're very happy. But what's really important to me who runs a plugin business is that the code actually also is uh, maintainable and looks good. So other than checking the reviews, I, of course, checked the Easter egg. Did they answer whatever questions I ask in the application? I usually tend to filter out the cheap applicants. So if I'm hiring somebody for a WordPress PHP programming role um, and somebody asks for $7 an hour, I usually tend to not hire them because there's probably a reason they ask for so little money. If somebody is charging very low per hour, they're either not that good or they're just starting out or they find it difficult to get work. And so with, with any of these options, uh, your chances are just much lower of getting somebody who's better. So you always have that chance of finding somebody really good for really cheap. But if you want to just play the numbers game, uh, you're better off by cutting off the lower priced applicants. You could also add some kind of interview, like either another layer of email interview or Skype interview, etc. Um, I usually don't do this. And the reason is coming to the next point, uh, which is the trial project. So for me, when I'm hiring a software developer, the test project really is where the rubber meets the road. And it doesn't matter how good the person's English is and how friendly they are on Skype. Um, if they don't do a great job at the trial project, there's no point in hiring them as a programmer. I usually tend to select, say, like three or four applicants and I give them a very, very simple WordPress plugin that they should write. And I'm going to include a, a link to the instructions in the show notes for this episode. But basically, what the plugin does is it just uh, allows you to insert a call to action button via a WordPress shortcode anywhere on a page or on a post. So based on how good of a programmer you are, you might be able to get this, this plugin done in like 30 minutes or so. I send the instructions to the applicants and I let them do the test project. And then I review the project in terms of does the code actually work? Are there some kind of warnings or errors? Did they follow the instructions? Because sometimes you have people that don't really read the instructions properly and they kind of end up developing a half ass plugin. I also look at how much time it took them to complete and I also look at the code quality. Are there a lot of comments? Is it structured nicely? Or does it look like it's kind of going to be a maintainability nightmare? One interesting thing that you did with your trial project is that you had everyone do the same project. Some people may, may feel like this, this could be a waste because you could have multiple uh, products or plugins as a result of, of having, hiring people to do different projects. But I think the way you did it was particularly effective because you could compare them uh, effectively to each other. Yeah, and I was tempted to actually give each of them a separate test project because I thought if I've got four developers developing plugins for me, I might as well have them do four different plugins and then I can release all of them in the WordPress repository. I'm going to have a bunch of extra plugins and it's going to be really good. But thankfully, I didn't end up doing that. Thankfully, I ended up giving each of them the same instructions. I think that's really critical because based on what kind of task you give them, the results can really vary from developer to developer. So you really need like a standardized, you need a standardized test project. Otherwise, I think it's going to be pretty much useless. So the last step would be to actually hire the person. After you've hired, then you want to check to see if the contractor is actually delivering. And that might take a while for you to figure out. Um, it might take a couple months. You'll just see what kind of code does he write? Is he responsive? 
just get stuff done on time, does he do a good job, all those kind of things. I think it's just a matter of actually working with the person and seeing if you enjoy working with them and if they enjoy working with you. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you, you, know, you spend some time and you hire somebody and you write up specifications and send them instructions and they seem really motivated but then all of a sudden they disappear and you just never hear back from them ever again. That has happened to me too. So I think it is just a little bit of a crapshoot. In my experience, at least, I haven't really cracked the hiring process yet. And sometimes it just tends to happen that some contractors are a bit unresponsive. So how how often do you try to check in with them? So that really depends on how many hours per week they work for me. So if they work for me part-time, say I've just got somebody who's doing like 15 to 20 hours a week for me right now, um, Usually that person ends up doing something like committing code or asking some questions. Not every day, but probably like, you know, like two or three times a week or so. If I don't hear back from my developer for a couple of days, I usually check in and see what's going on. And it might just turn out that they've been heads down in code and didn't really need any feedback from me. Just cranking away. I'm having my new full-time developer send me daily reports and... Those reports answer three simple questions. What did you do today? Did you have any problems? Do you need feedback on anything? And based on that, I just get a really good idea of what's been happening and if there's anything important that I can do to make sure that he stays on track. So I, I think one thing that, that could be useful if, if it's possible is to, to work with the person in person or, uh, or live over Skype or Hangouts or something. A lot of times it's easier to, to show what needs to be done or have them show you. So if you can do screen sharing, a lot of times that, that speeds up the process a lot. From going through these steps, I think it's pretty clear that hiring, especially hiring somebody on like a job site or a freelancer website is not necessarily always the right solution for anybody, right? If you're running a business and all you need is like a website built once and maybe like a small bit of maintenance, it might not make sense for you to, you know, get your hands dirty on Odesk, it might just be better to go with a consultant who focuses on bigger, higher level problems and objectives, um, kind of like we talked about in the last episode. Especially when you hire a programmer, I think it's just very valuable when you can actually write code or at least be good enough to read code because otherwise you just have no clue what's actually going on. I think it, it depends a lot on, on your goals and your budget, how much time you're willing to spend. Because if you hire a consultant, you're generally spending a lot less of your own time but it's going to cost you a lot more and then if you're going through and hiring on one of these job boards it'll probably cost you a lot less but you'll have to invest a lot of time to find the right person and to be working with that person uh, and giving them instructions the whole time absolutely so to recap we've talked about why you should hire and the hiring process itself contains four steps first is to post a job offer Second is green applicants, third is the trial project, and the fourth is to hire and double-check if the contractor actually delivers. So let's move on to the tips and tricks section. So one of my favorite plugins that I use on basically every site, it's called My Custom CSS. And I'll link to the plugin in the show notes. Uh, basically what this does is it's a, it's a one-page menu for adding custom CSS to your site. Normally, with WordPress, you go and you edit your style, 
style.css or you create a, a child theme with its own style.css. But what that means is you have to use FTP to upload this file. And what I like about this plugin is it basically adds in all of the CSS that you write through the database as opposed to having to upload a file. And so it's a lot faster. You don't have to switch from your browser to your FTP client. And uh, it doesn't get replaced when you upgrade your theme. This is one of the, the reasons why it's better to use a child theme anyway. But I think that's a great point, by the way. Yeah. I think too many people put their code in the style.css file in their theme, and then they, and then they change the theme and everything breaks. Yeah, it, it's very easy to forget. And this plugin, it's, it's pretty simple, but it just uh, kind of reduces the chance of things going wrong. Sounds great. So speaking of FTPing, um, my recommendation is a FTP client for Mac called Transmit. And I've been using free FTP clients like FileZilla or CyberDuck for a really long time. And I felt like they were always good enough. And they really are. But um, I just bought Transmit about a month ago because I had to do a lot of FTPing files up to my new FatCat website. And it has a lot of really nice features. One of them was a synchronization button. So you can actually sync your local development folder with the folder on the website. The tool compares the timestamps and changes the files accordingly. I feel like that saves a lot of time. And it also seems that the way the transmit is built, it just seems to be able to perform FTP actions much faster than normal FTP clients. So I feel like I have to wait a lot less. So it's $30. It's a really sleek program. If you're using Mac and looking for an FTP client, I would highly check out Transmit. Sounds pretty cool. I'm definitely going to have to check it out myself. Okay, that's it for this episode. You can leave a comment or find the show notes at wpcast.fm slash hiring. If you like this episode, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye.